Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my producer, Lindsay, and we are streaming from downtown Boise, Idaho, actually Meridian, Idaho today. You guys know how much I love Idaho. Speaking of Idaho, we have an Idaho girl that's going to be on our show today. She is a physician's assistant from Spirit Direct Care out of Hayden, Idaho, and she is going to talk to you about her passions, which is lifestyle medicine and preventive medicine and how she helps first responders and military because she is a military person herself. So um, congratulations on that, Nikki, and thank you for your service, by the way. Um, and Nikki, let's just go ahead and get started. Um, Nikki, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you got into direct primary care. So yeah, so my name is Nikki Parquet, and I'm the founder, owner, and provider at Spear Direct Care. Uh, we're just like every other DPC when it comes to membership-based, value-based primary care, um, except, yeah, I do things a little different with the lifestyle medicine. So tell us about that. What do you mean by lifestyle medicine? So basically, I <laughs> I kind of take an integrative approach and utilize all the resources uh, that I have available, including the patient. So I have a partnership with my patients and they're the experts on their body. And so combined with my education and my experience, we develop a plan together to get them healthy and to keep them healthy. And so we use those lifestyle changes and modifications first, um, as well as preventative techniques to try to avoid or decrease the use of pharmaceutical medications uh, as much as we can. And so really we empower our members with their personalized care. I love that, Nikki. Love what you're doing. Um, one of the goals of our podcast is just that, educate and empower individuals to take care of their own health because they really should be the main driver and um, be in charge of their own health. And so I really, really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for doing it. Absolutely. So you one of the reasons you you, you have got a great background um, in many ways and a great story about how you think there's kind of a, an injustice in medicine. And that's kind of why you went to direct care, which go ahead and explain. I know our listeners and viewers, we've had a lot of direct primary care providers on our show, but go ahead and explain a little bit what du the direct primary care model is and why you, why you got into it because of what you felt as an injustice in medicine. So it was when I started working um, as a PA on the civilian side, so I have a background in the military, um, but when I started working on the civilian side, it just became abundantly clear uh, that our healthcare system needed an overhaul. Our system has become impersonal, expensive, and really just unsustainable. Patients, they spend too much money on subpar care. Uh, the providers are completely overwhelmed with unsustainable workloads and insurance companies are interesting to work with. So uh, I knew I could either keep banging my head against a wall uh, or I could do something completely different. And so I went with, let's do something completely different and opened up my own direct primary care practice. And it's really because nobody should feel like they are just a number uh, especially when they go to their doctor or their provider um, or that they don't feel heard or that they don't have a say in their care. People deserve superior care when they need it at an affordable price. And 
when I got on the civilian side of, of medicine, I realized that that just wasn't happening. And I couldn't think of any other way to make it happen without direct primary care. You know, it's interesting you say that, and we've had some other direct primary care providers say the same thing, is that mm-hmm. in order to change the system, you had to get out of the system because it's just such a big monster that you can't really change it. So you did something completely different, got out of it, and now your patients are able to thrive and you can work their way towards, op- help them work towards optimal health. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. You've got an interesting story kind of. I don't know if this is straw about camel's, camel's back, but you just saw, you know, you this was uh, one of the stories that kind of made you realize injustice in medicine when it comes to people not having insurance. And it was actually mm-hmm. a personal experience with your brother. Will you tell us about about how uninsured people don't get treated well? And I can tell you I'm I'm one of those people because I'm not insured. So the first thing when I walk into a hospital or whatever and they ask me about insurance and I don't have it, you know, they, 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 they look at me like they get a sorry face and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's like, no, yeah. this is great news. I'm going to pay you today, you know, but they don't yeah. understand that concept. So tell me the story of, of how your brother kind of had a horrible situation go on. Um, and you think that he was probably discriminated against because, you know, you guys grew up in a poor family and you didn't have insurance. And tell us that story. Yeah. So, so it was really, it was my brother-in-law. And um, it was well before I was into medicine. And so his father um, was really sick and did not get treated um, super well in in my brother-in-law's eyes. And so he kind of always had this negative um, mindset when it comes to traditional healthcare and going to the doctor and preventative medicine and sort of all those sorts of things. And so uh, when he had a pain or an issue, he would just uh, pop some ibuprofen. And so he did that a lot for many years. And then he started having pain. And so he didn't, he obviously didn't have a primary care provider um, because he didn't trust the system. And so when things started going kind of bad, he presented to the ER with um, this sort of vague pain. And this was, gosh, you know, 20 years ago. So it was kind of um, at one of those times where ERs were getting in trouble and doctors, providers were getting in trouble for not addressing pain properly. And so they thought that he was more of an opioid uh, pain medicine seeker and Mm -hmm. And they really didn't give it much more thought. They prescribed him, um, you know, his 30-day supply of opioids and kind of pushed him out the door. And uh, he was adamant about, no, there's something going on. Um, But that, you know, it just didn't work out. So the next day he got worse. He presented to a different um, ER. Uh, This was in a different state. This was out in the Midwest. And uh, yeah, kind of the same story. And then, of course, now they look at him because he went to a different ER the day before. Mm-hmm. And so now he's now he's doctor hopping and drug seeking. And so they, of course, you know, gave him a couple more pills and sent him on his way. And so um, the next day, finally, I think um, that's when the straw uh, kind of broke the camel's back, and he went to a different ER, presenting with the same symptoms, just worse. 
And uh, this time he jumped the border and went to Wisconsin instead of Illinois. And they did some blood work and they did some tests and showed that his H&H, so his hemoglobin and hematocrit, um, some of his blood levels were extremely low and they started um, urgently giving him blood and plasma and all these different things. And they admitted him because he ended up having a giant duodenal ulcer that started bleeding and he was literally dying. And it was an easy fix when it comes to fixes, I suppose, you know, they gave him some, um, some blood and, and some medicine to kind of stop bleeding and they watched him and of course stop ibuprofen usage. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was more in a lack of education and a lack of access to care with somebody that he trusted, but it, it really almost cost him his life. And the biggest part of that is, yeah, we, you know, we grew up poor and uh, we didn't have insurance, not because we, it, it was a choice, but it was because we really couldn't afford it. And so when they looked at him, they thought that's what they thought. And, and it was just a really unfortunate situation. And so growing up with that, and knowing that, you know, I'm a healer and I want to help people, um, it, it was just part of that drive to make sure that, gosh, that doesn't happen to anybody that I'm taking care of. And explain, and explain why, that, why that shouldn't happen when you're taking care of them. So what I love about the direct primary care model is the fact that we have time and the ability to know our patients. And so if something, if a patient starts to feel like something is off, we have the ability to be able to listen um, and the time to listen. And it's really, it's our job as providers to be able to educate people. Um, I find that most of the time people, they, they want to know what's going on with them in a deeper way. And, and I think that they deserve to know that. There's, there's and, something about having that relationship, that relationship medicine, and being able to advocate for your patients so that they don't feel alone and that they don't feel unheard. And I think that that's what has been unfortunately removed from the traditional healthcare system, or at least maybe not as um, spotlighted, if you will. So speaking of ERs and speaking of, you know, a provider that they can trust, don't you have a story about a dad that fell down the stairs with his kid um, uh, that you can share? So, yeah, so one of the things that is, again, great about direct primary care is our, the availability that you, as a member, have to your provider. And so um, at SPEAR, we use a HIPAA-compliant uh, communications app, and so it makes it really easy for my members to get a hold of me kind of anytime. And they know if something is emergent, that they go to the ER, call 911 first, and then call me later, let me know. Um, but if it's if it's urgent or they have a question or a concern, um, go ahead and shoot me a text or give me a call. So this night, it was a couple months ago, uh, 
a dad and a kiddo. They were having a really great time. It was 6.30 at night. Um, he was playing. He had kiddo upside down behind him, uh, holding him by his uh, ankles and just having a really fun time. And that's just what dads, going, that's what, that's what dads do, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and he wasn't even really like there was no rough housing. It was just he was walking down the stairs. He slipped and he tripped off the last stair and he and fell and it was just so heartbreaking because they called and you could just tell that dad was so upset because i think this was you know his first kiddo first major um oopsie and so being able to um come in and uh, assess the situation remotely, uh, be able to really dive in and, and do a remote visit and figure out uh, kiddo is, is actually doing pretty okay. He looked like he got into a little bit of a bar fight, but it looks way worse <laughs> than what it was. And um, just being able to support the parents and understanding that they're doing the right thing, being able to guide them to, hey, these are the things to look for. Um, if you see these things, if this, then that, you know, so if you see these red, red flag signs, then, then go to the ER and, um, and call me anytime with any questions throughout the night. And then of course I scheduled, uh, to see kiddo in the morning and, uh, and he was doing great. And so being able to educate and provide peace of mind to that family was huge. Mom was starting a new job the next day. Dad had to go to work. So grandma actually brought kiddo in and, um, and then they didn't have a big ER visit. Uh, and who knows, you know, the testing and imaging that they would have done with right. that. And so saving that time and money and just that peace of mind that everyone was able to sleep a little bit better. Now, I don't know how much mom actually slept because, you know, moms, they, right. they are right over kiddo, making sure everything is good. But at least they knew that I was there. Somebody was watching. Somebody was monitoring, even if it was from afar. And they had direct access to me anytime they needed. And, um, and of course, you know, follow up, close follow up. Kiddo's doing great. And dad definitely, I don't think dad's going to be on the stairs walking probably with not. kiddo upside down anymore. <laughs> Poor He's guy. probably going to be a little bit apprehensive to do that. I'm sure he feels really bad. Well, I, what a great story. And I'm glad you were there to help um, navigate through, the, through that. Um, and speaking of navigate, you know, one of the things that you say that you do is – you know, the healthcare system is convoluted. Even for healthcare providers like you and I, it can be confusing. So when a patient is trying to navigate the system, uh, it can get kind of overwhelming. So speak to how you help patients actually navigate the system. Yeah, so part of it is just knowing, um, knowing when they need to go to a specialist, uh, knowing, being able to provide them excellent, excellent primary care. Everything starts with primary care. And unfortunately, we've gotten to a point where primary care in the traditional system has become just a referral source. So very little care happens now. And there's multitude of reasons that we could spend hours talking about as to why that is. Um, and it's really not 
the providers. The providers, I, I believe, want to provide care, um, but they're just they're locked into the system of yeah. just referrals. And so, being able to provide that really superior, solid, foundational primary care, and then being able to make very smart referrals to specialists, smart referrals to imaging, so that. Um, when my when my patients or members go to a specialist uh, to seek, you know, kind of that next level of care, that specialist has everything they need to make a decision or at least start making decisions and treatment plans for my patients. So it's not a wasted visit because even, you know, in myself personally, I don't know how many times I've gone to a specialist and they're like, oh, well, you need an MRI or, oh, we need this test. And it's like, why wasn't that done beforehand so that when I got here, we could we could make a plan, you know, and it's taking time off of of work and family and, you know, whatever uh, to do that. And so um, I have a very strong relationship with uh, the local specialists um, here in the Hayden Coeur d'Alene, Pulse Falls area. Uh, so that uh, if I do, if and when, because it's always a matter of when, um, you have to refer to a specialist to ask them, making sure that they have all the things that they need so that it's the referral is in this nice, pretty bow and it's wrapped up and my patients are able to go and have an excellent visit and we can get some answers and move forward. And that's huge. That's hugely important when it comes to well, driving down the cost of healthcare, increasing the value, getting people healthy. I mean, it just, the list goes on and on. Yeah, it sure does. And speaking about getting people healthy, I know, you know, you talked earlier in the podcast about lifestyle medicine and people taking, you know, a pill. So, but you can help them navigate that and choose a pill or choose lifestyle. And it's a very customized approach. Can you kind of give us an example of what you would do in a situation? So, so again, in the, in the traditional model, um, there just really isn't a whole lot of time to, to really implore and get people educated on lifestyle changes. Um, I think that providers try uh, it, it's always the first step if you go to the American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association, all the associations, everyone, you know, step one, uh, lifestyle changes, reduce salts, uh, decrease your weight, start exercising, sleep better. It's like, well, that's great. But how? How do we do that? And how much salt am I supposed to have in a day? And how much exercise am I supposed to do? For me, um, what are the calories I'm supposed to be doing? Because I've dieted and I've, I've done calorie restriction. I've done keto. I've done all of these different diets. Nothing works. I gain more weight. Um, you know, I, I have a, I eat just, I don't know, grass and still my blood pressure is high and my cholesterol is high and I don't know what else to do. And, and so really being able to have the time to be able to discuss with people and meet them where they are and say, Hey, look, what are the things that you're willing to give up? What are the things that you're willing and able to change? 
how do we take a stepwise approach to make sure that I'm not just regurgitating a bunch of facts at you uh, that you either don't understand or are never going to do, um, then what's the point? We're wasting each other's time and we might as well just do nothing. So it's better to meet people where they are, build a personalized plan of what, like I said, what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do, and then get them hooked in with those professionals that know when to school are educated on that. Um, I have a degree in exercise physiology. I've been an athlete my whole life. Uh, I worked as an exercise physiologist. I can, I can run you through a program. I can build you a program. That was many moons ago. Lots of, lots of things have changed. And that's no longer my, uh, you know, that's, that's no longer my real specialty. But I know somebody, I know many people, that that is their specialty. So let's get you hooked in with those people. I can build you a calorie-restrictive diet or help you with keto or the Mediterranean diet. But let's get you the books that are going to help you if you're a reader or the videos that are going to help you if you're a visual learner or people that... I can, we can consult with if you really need that motivation uh, and, and somebody kind of guiding you and even holding your hand through it to make sure that you stay accountable. If that's what you need and that's what's going to make you successful and get you to where you need to be in your health, then, then that's my job. That's, I've done my job in being able to get you to where you need to be. And I'm not always the answer. It, it might be somebody else. It usually is somebody else. But it's my job to know where we can go to find reliable answers, how we build that program, and then to follow up to make sure, hey, are you missing something? Are you needing something? Where are you at with all of this? It's hugely important for me that my patients like they can talk to me about anything, that they can reach out to me at any time because I truly do care. I want them to be healthy. Yeah, and it's a you know, you you talked about the system not having time to talk about lifestyle medicine, even though we all know it, every provider knows it. You know, like say the American Heart Association and the American Diabetes Association, they all say it, change your diet and all that. But I will tell you it's so frustrating as a pharmacist because that's just not what, what happens with patients. Oh, you have diabetes. Here's a, you know, here's a medication you can take. And here's all the pills. Right. And you know, I mean, I'm four and then they just, Oh, well, your blood sugars are still out of control here. We'll add another one. It's like, you know, that, that's just, you know, and you know, I said on our podcast Monday and I've said it over and over again, but I just, for, for type two diabetes, especially, I just think that, your lifestyle is so important. I don't think that medication is a long-term solution for type two diabetes. Um, but we take things for granted. If they don't, you know, if they don't have a provider like you, you know, walk into this process, it's like, well, you need to exercise. You need to lose weight. Well, yeah. How do I do that? I mean, to you, you, you know, you got a background in exercise physiology. You know what to do. But you know, patients don't. So it's good that they have somebody to educate them, like like you. Mm -hmm. So thank you for doing that, Nikki. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There is a place for pharmaceutical medications. There Absolutely. is a, there is a hundred percent a place for that. And if somebody comes to me and says, listen, I want my Snickers. I don't want to exercise. I don't want to do any of those things. I just want a pill. I will prescribe that pill to you happily as per the standard uh, and, and evidence-based medicine. And that is fine. 
However, you're in my circle and I will, I will gently nudge you into the direction of maybe changing a few things right. so that maybe we don't have to increase dosing or maybe at some point we can stop medication altogether. But if we need to start medication and that is the, you're telling me as the patient, I'm not willing to lose weight. I don't want to give up a Snickers and I just want the pill. I can do that too. That's okay. Yeah. And I would prefer so, that. Tell me. Right, I, I get it. And, and, and as long as you are honest <laughs> and educate them, you, you're not as, I'm a lot older than you are. So I've done this for a lot longer. So I, I unfortunately am not as politically correct as you are about that. And when I, when somebody says, and a diabetic says, well, I don't want to give up my Snickers. This is what I would say. This is what I say now. That's fine. You don't have to give up your Snickers. Um, you'll just have to give up your kidneys and eyesight. You just choose. You choose why you want to give up your yeah. Snickers or your kidneys and eyesight. Because if you keep eating like that, you will give up your kidneys and you'll give up your eyesight. It's your choice. And then that kind of hits home. Some people don't like like my answer like that or, or or like how I say it, but it's just it's true. And I've heard of dietitians that will tell, you know, kids that are diabetics and they're type one. And it's like, well, we can't deny these kids birthday cake. Well, okay, then we can deny them their kidneys and their and their eyesight. I mean, and I'm not saying that every once in a while we can't have that. But if you look at what's happening in America, diabetes is is it's it's a it's an epidemic, a pandemic, and it's not getting better. So we just need to be honest with patients and just stop being nice about it and saying, oh, no, it's okay. You're just a few pounds overweight, but we'll give you some medication. It'll be okay. No, it's not. You know, you either change your lifestyle or you lose your kidneys and eyesight. It's up to you. Oh, absolutely. And, and so you're right. I'm being politically correct here. And as my patients and friends and family will attest to, or basically anybody who has met me and knows me, um, I can be very uh, harsh and <laughs> bold and just flat out uh, telling people exactly how it is. So uh, that yeah, is, you know, that is true. I, I will attest to that. That is true of you, Nikki. <laughs> so I don't sugarcoat things and I don't lie to people and I expect the same um, because honestly, we can't we can't have a an honest conversation and make any real change if we're dancing around. Oh well, I swear I'm gonna I'm gonna take my yep. medicine or I'm gonna do. Oh, I, I'll give this up or I'm gonna really work hard and lose that five pounds. No, just tell me you're not gonna do it and we'll make a different plan because the idea is we have to save your kidneys, we have to save your eyesight, we have to save your toes, um, we have to save your heart. You know, I mean, and, and so part of that is, like you said, it's it's really educating people the consequences. If this, Absolutely. then that. If you continue to do this, this is America. And if you want to do, if whatever you want to do, that's on you. I'm not, I'm not here to judge. I, I'm not judging your lifestyle choices in any way. I just need you to be honest about them with me so we can build a plan that's going to work. Because if you're under my care and we're losing kidneys and, and toes and eyesight, then something has gone horribly wrong. And, and that's just not okay. And, and I've failed you as an educator and as a provider, shoot, as just as a human being, because that's just, oh, man. 
And don't get me started on diabetes. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I have a passion for this subject. And I, and I think, you know, you already hit it on it early on in the podcast is that it's a, in general, it's a system problem. And, you know, I wrote a book on it. And the book is called Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. And there's a six-step solution in there about, you know, how to fix the healthcare system. And the first solution is patients need to take charge of their own health. Absolutely. We, they need to stop washing their hands of it. They need to stop looking for a pill to fix it. They need to they need to be in charge of their own health. The a quote in the book from chapter six, where I go to the six step solution, is a quote directly from me, and it starts out like this: "The best health insurance we have is not some plan that we can buy. It's how we take care of ourselves. Period. There is no better health insurance than how we take care of ourselves. No fancy insurance plan is gonna is gonna take care of our health. Period." Preventative um, you know, we, maintenance. Yeah, yeah. we have exactly to be right. proactive. Right. We have to be proactive in our health. And we do need people to help us along the way like yourself. So that's awesome that you're doing yes. that. So yes. thin Thank blue you. line benefits. You're welcome. Thin blue yes. line benefits. Um, tell us a little bit about that. So I, I love all of my patients. I do. Um, there it's, it's truly my honor to take care of, of all of them. I, I, I love, I love them all in their, in my own way for, for different reasons. Um, but my heart really goes out to, uh, the first responders and military personnel. So these fire EMS and service members, it, it really is my passion to take care of those that take care of us. They're willing to sacrifice and place themselves in harm's way to keep us safe. And I feel like it is my duty to help them stay healthy, uh, get healthy, stay healthy, so that they can work at the top of their game. And what I think is really amazing is most departments have, have super great health care. They've got great uh, benefits, uh, health insurance. Uh, great availability. The culture is such that if you're sick, you know, you go in and get seen, uh, especially now with COVID, uh, you know, that really changed the way that employers look at how uh, illness can go through as, you know, a, a, an office or an agency. So, um, so that's super important. But what happens when these people get out of uh that, that uh, lobbied, secured benefits, and they're retiring maybe, and they're not of age to get Medicare, so they're, they're younger than that 65, uh, and they're used to having superior benefits, there's this gap. And so they go out for the first time and they try to get health insurance and it's thousands of dollars literally to cover themselves and their family. And now they're retired. So maybe they're on a pension, maybe they're on a fixed income. Um, maybe they don't want to go back to work and, and start up a, a secondary career. And so what the Thin Blue Line Benefits Association has done is they've put together a package, if you will, um, that incorporates uh, a direct primary care membership with a health share uh, and I think there's some um, prescription uh, medication benefits, some lab benefits, and they've rolled it all together uh, and made it available. Yep, there it is. Made it available for you, uh, active and retired. Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. 
uh, first responders. And so um, they've actually also opened it up to uh, military personnel as well. So it's a huge thing. You know, uh, TRICARE for a family is like $230 a month. Uh, you know, if you try to find something like that in uh, out on the open market, it's for a family, it's, you know, $1,300 to get. Right. And it's not super great insurance, you know, meaning that you have a really high deductible, so you're paying out of pocket for things. Maybe some providers and doctors don't actually take that insurance. And so this group uh, put this together and um, and it's absolutely amazing. And of course it falls directly in line with my passion of wanting to take care of the people who take care of us. So um, I'm obviously a part of it. I would, would love for people to reach out and ask uh, for more information about it. I, I think that it's it's absolutely it's amazing. So we're getting ready to end our podcast, and I was going to ask you what your passion is, but you just said it. <laughs> Boom! That is my passion. Damn. Oh, my gosh. It's the reason – it's literally the reason I joined the military. Um, it's the reason I stay in the military. I. It's the reason that I opened up this practice. It's – that is it. The, my passion is really – to provide easy access to superior care when you need it at an affordable price. It is just that simple. And then, of course, my love for our service members and first responders. Well, thank you for doing this, and thank you for your service, Nikki. You're, you're really uh, you're inspiring and encouraging others, and I really, really appreciate that. So we need more of you in healthcare, that's for sure. Thank you. So, Nikki... How? Thank you so much for having me on today. You're I appreciate welcome. it. How can people get a hold of you? Yes. So I have a website, speardirectcare.com. That is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, you can call. There's a phone number there. You can email me. I don't check my email as often, but I will definitely get it. Um, or you can just text. That's that's probably the easiest. If you want to sign up, go to the website, scroll about three quarters of the way down, pick which plan fits you and sign up. Everything is automated. It's really, really easy, streamlined, amazing. I love it. I love it. You make it simple. I love it. Well, Nikki, thank you for being on today. And as always, you can catch us, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, every Thursday at our midweek podcast, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and Mondays, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Speaking of Mondays, this coming Monday, you do not want to miss out. Dr. Um, Pran Yoganathan is going to be on our show. He is a gastroenterologist. He's going to be our first international guest all the way from all the way halfway around the world in Australia. He is going to be talking on the carnivore diet. And, you know, as you guys know, when it comes to uh, carnivore diet, a lot of the questions is, well, wait a minute, don't we need fiber? Aren't we going to get um, colon cancer if we don't have fiber? Well, we're going to have a gastroenterologist answer those questions along with a, letter, a, letter, a lot of other GI problems like Nikki was talking about, how we prescribe drugs for many different things when it could be diet and lifestyle. You might be surprised how many um, drugs could be, could, could be discontinued if patients change their diet. Um, so you don't want to miss out on that. Uh, stay tuned Monday, 1 to 2 p.m. 
And as always, thanks for tuning in. Check us out on YouTube, the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site. Also, your favorite podcast form. Like, subscribe, comment. Let us know what you would like to hear, and we would uh, we'll get back to you. And we would love to hear your comments. So let us know. Thank you for tuning in. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Yeah.